it morning yet? Hello, my friends. I'm sorry, I'm just asking because I need to sleep. And in the morning, I just somehow feel drained, weak. I feel that way now. But I'm not sure if it's because it's morning or because I'm feeling drained and weak. I'm too tired to get up open a window and check. That will change. It's just that sometimes one's own power can be a little daunting, overwhelming. I'm feeling a little overwhelmed ever since I decided to walk in the open and do what I was meant to. That comes with a good deal of willpower and a certain kind of energy a kind of energy I've grown used to living without. Exerting one's will is exhausting business. I shouldn't really complain about it, I'm sure. How are you? You should exert your will too, you know. Just because someone else may be exerting their will over you doesn't mean you should stop trying. Give that someone a challenge. Isn't that what makes life or whatever it is I have. Interesting. I'm finding that in the process of making my will a reality, there are certain difficulties. There are certain things that your world rejects or prohibits. You live in a world of such strict systems and rules. No wonder that writer in her apartment feels so lost, so stifled. How restricted you all are. Restricted by things of your own foolish design. I mean, I'm certain that when I was alive, there were things like money, law, and society. I just don't remember them taking up quite so much space in the world. Or maybe they did and I rejected them. And that's why I have so little issue rejecting them now. Poor things you are who are so bound by traps of your own making. Have you never thought of what it would feel like to run through the natural world without false obligations? Have you always felt so tethered to this invisible structure? I hope you one day get to experience the feeling of running without purpose. Of feeling cold wind on your face and hearing only the screech of animals and the howl of the wind. I hope you get to dive into a deep sea with no idea what could be hunting you beneath the water. There are things in this world, my friends, that do not adhere to your laws and your invisible structure. They lurk in dark waters and black forests. They even lurk in your cities. I do, anyway. And you won't be ready for these things if you don't know how to even see them. Something to think about. At any rate, I have a story to tell you. Once there was a little boy who lived in a beautiful home with his mother. They lived far, far away from anyone else in a beautiful countryside estate. They had a huge mansion to themselves, 
only themselves, for his mother had no servants for them, which he didn't quite realize was unusual. He never had any nurses, teachers, maids, cooks. She did everything, and was more than content to do so. As I said, this was strange. He was twelve years old now, and he was only just beginning to realize how wealthy his mother was. When asked why she was called Countess when they went into town to buy food and supplies, she explained to him that she had a title, and that title had been held by her family for generations. When he was grown, he would be a Count. It was his inheritance, and his children after him could keep the title as well. If, that is, he ever did have children, she was sure to add. When asked why the people in that town lived in such small little houses, she explained that not everyone had such a large home as they did. This is an unfairness in the world. But we do our part, she said. We go and we buy from these people, my son, and when they are sick or need my help, I will be there for them. She was by all rights a doctor, only that she had no formal training. She couldn't study at a college being a woman. She couldn't be paid for her work, couldn't officially be called doctor. But her father had been a doctor and taught her everything he knew. Since she could pick up a book, she had read countless medical texts, conducted experiments with her father, dissections, autopsies even. She could help her family when anyone fell ill, and now she offered her services to nearby towns who allowed the benevolent countess to help them. Certain families would try and give her food or supplies in exchange, for she never accepted payment, but she refused. She had more than enough money with which to pay for their goods. She helped them because she wanted to. She was a pillar of society in the countryside. She had no notoriety in aristocratic circles, never went to balls or events with royalty or nobility. She was happy with her son, her mansion, and the occasional family who needed her help. They only visited town when they needed to, which meant sometimes weeks went by in the mansion, just the two of them. But the little boy didn't mind. He never fell ill or got injured, but if he did, he was in the safest hands with his mother. He had horses, chickens, cows, goats, dogs, and cats to keep him company all day. And his mother taught him everything from literature to science, arithmetic to ethics. They loved each other, and he didn't want for anything out here with her. The home had five vast floors of open doors he could play in. Nothing was out of bounds. If he broke a valuable antique, his mother would just smile and shrug and allow him to keep playing. He could gallop across wide fields of heather on his favorite horse and return home after dark. There were no strict rules here. She was not afraid of him being hurt. She'd taught him well, and he was a strong, capable boy. He loved his mother with all of his heart, and she loved him even more than that. One day, he asked about his father. Where is he? Who was he? She stopped in her tracks and thought to herself for a long moment, for the first time in his life, 
the boy saw his mother hiding something. Your father died, she answered, and continued to eat her dinner. He died before you were born, but he would have adored you just as much as I do. How did he die? the young boy asked. His mother looked pensive and sad. I'm not sure, she replied, and gently touched the boy's face. I just found him one day dead. But oh, you're every bit as handsome as he was. She smiled, and the boy smiled, and he asked nothing more of it. One day while he was playing by the pond down the road and his mother sat, painting a picture of him as he did so, he asked her, I know that father's dead, and I know that we're alone here. Does that mean that I may never have a brother or sister? His mother arched her brow a little, that same sad expression appearing on her face. Oh, my son, she sighed. I'm afraid I cannot give you that. It's impossible. And the little boy merely shrugged and continued to skip stones. He was happy to just be here with her. The two of them could conquer anything together in their beautiful, happy home. Until the day that he noticed the bookcase. His mother had to go into one of the nearby towns to help a young girl suffering from pneumonia. She'd been gone a few hours, but he was content to be on his own. He had been studying in the library, learning about the ancient myths of Greece, Rome, and Egypt. He had finished his third book, specifically focusing on creation myths and the funny notion of fashioning new humans out of clay or earth, having life rise out of primeval waters. Or his favorite, the myth of the she-wolf nursing adopted human children. He rose to go to the bookcase, replace the books, and perhaps find more to draw some inspiration from. But, as he looked up at the bookcase, it seemed that it looked just perhaps a few centimeters further to the left than usual. Yes, he thought to himself, isn't it usually just a little farther away from that painting? He went to it and gently pushed it side a little. It glided easily over the floor. With very little effort, he managed to slide it far enough away from the wall that it revealed an entrance, though what was beyond it he couldn't tell. It was so dark. Hanging on the wall inside the shadowy entrance was a lantern with a tinderbox sitting on it. He easily struck up a flame, lit the lantern, and revealed a cascading spiral staircase plunging down under the library. What was this? In all his twelve years living in the mansion, he had never even heard of it having a cellar. What was this place? His curiosity far outweighed his trepidation. He took the lantern, and he began to descend the stairs. Down, down, down he went. He expected a dusty, frightening place left unkempt for decades. But as he neared the bottom of the stairs, he realized everything was clean. 
There was no dust on the stairs, no cobwebs, no spiders, rats or bats or dripping leaks or other things you might expect from an abandoned basement. This place wasn't abandoned. Mother had been taking care of it. She must have been here not long ago taking care of it, just like she took care of everything else. When he reached the bottom of the staircase, he could barely see this room with the light of the lantern. Luckily, there were more hung on the walls. He quickly lit them and the whole room brightened. There was a stark, empty table in the middle of the room. Long, rectangular. Higher than a dining table. One was meant to stand while using it. There was a shelf full of books. Medical books, scientific books, many of which, he noticed as he walked by and read their titles, were penned by hand by his mother herself. It was her writing. These were journals. There was another shelf full of jars that were full of fluid. They were, for the most part, empty. The ones that weren't empty contained something bloody and unidentifiable inside. They were marked with labels in her handwriting that read, Heart 2, another Heart 3, one read, Kidney 2B, Spare, another read, I, Green, another, I, Brown. There was a portrait on the wall of her, about twelve years younger, sitting with a baby on her lap. It must have been him. They were both smiling broadly. He smiled at the sight of it. There was a writing table, well-kept, just like everything else. Pens, measuring instruments, and tools were all labeled and neatly arranged in drawers. And there was a cabinet with loose papers, organized by year. When his smile disappeared was when he saw one stack of papers, labeled with the year of his birth. Slowly he took it out of the cabinet. He sat down at the writing table, and he began to read. Doctor's assessment conclusive. Unfortunately must find other means. One paper read. He moved on to another. Specimens gathered from neighboring town. Terrible case of rheumatic fever with many dying. Newborn infants especially susceptible. Bodies graciously donated to science. Perhaps can develop cure or means of treatment while simultaneously working on the project. He flipped through a few pages, seeing more excerpts such as Mark 1. Failure. Utilizing only one specimen does not improve immune system or strength. Must instead utilize strong elements from two or more sources. Another said Mark II, failure. Stronger specimen overall, opened eyes and moved digits independently, still weak. Died shortly thereafter. Trying to keep spirits from sinking as we move on to the next phase. The final page, however, simply read, Mark III, success. And there were no more notes after that. Once it seemed the project was completed, that was it. 
No more experiments, no more tests. This was, he knew, not quite how a responsible scientist would conduct an experiment, even a successful one. And for a brilliant mind like his mother's to abandon further testing on a successful project, he was especially confused. She was careful, calculated. But it seemed her only goal here had been success. And she had it. What was it? Then he saw a file labeled only one year later after that date. Mark Three, Heart Failure, the first page read. Heart used for specimen at initial time of project development proves to be inefficient at pumping blood through the stronger and more vital body. Attempting surgery with Heart One, specifically developed and altered for more efficient delivery of blood through remarkable circulatory system and the boy found himself stunned suddenly by the next words he read. Please, God, please let this work. Please let him be well. This was not the Countess who was an intelligent, remarkable scientist. This was the Countess, his mother. And, as he felt his heart begin to beat faster with the slow realization and recognition of what he was, in fact, reading, he slowly walked to the mirror that he noticed was in the far corner of the room. He unclasped the first few buttons of his shirt. He knew it was there, but he had to see it right now just to be sure. Perhaps it was a false memory, a dream. But no. There it was. The scar he'd had for as long as he could remember. Just over his heart. When you were little, you weren't well, his mother had told him. We had to perform surgery. But you've been perfect ever since. He heard her voice in his memory, clearly. Then he heard it behind him. You are perfect. My son. He spun around. His mother stood there, her medicine bag in hand. So this was where she kept it. She had tears in her eyes. I didn't know how to tell you. I didn't know if it mattered. And he had tears in his eyes. But his eyes weren't sad, they were angry. You didn't know if it mattered? he whispered. What am I? She ran to him and she embraced him. You are my son. That is what you are. But when he pushed her away, he cried, Am I? I didn't come from you. I'm some other thing. Now she was angry. For the first time in his life, he saw his mother angry. She stood tall and set her jaw and said sternly, You did come from me. You may not have come from my body, but you came from my mind. Is that not a bond worth having? She hissed. He roared, and the small twelve-year-old boy pushed the heavy marble slab in the middle of the room. It flew across the floor and shattered against the wall. Had he always been this strong? Or did he not know until now? 
I was meant to have you, she wept as she moved towards the wall, perhaps for the first time afraid of his strength. You were meant to be my son. I just had to find a way, and I did. I studied for years and years. I tried for so long, and I brought you into this world. Does that not make me good enough to be your mother? But the little boy couldn't process what he had just learned. Suddenly it all made sense. The barely visible but always present scars. One green eye, one brown. His strength, his incredible health. He ran past her, up the stairs, sobbing. He ran out of the house. He ran more quickly than he ever had, and he didn't realize that miles must have gone by, and he didn't even feel tired. He ran to the lake. He fell into the water, crying, screaming, striking at the water, since he couldn't hurt the water. And when he grew weary of this, he simply floated on his back, staring up at the moon and the stars, the anguish in his heart finding no more voice in his throat. And as he let himself look at the stars, he heard the water ripple from the motion of his hands. He heard the crickets and the weeds. He heard the swans, not even a few meters away, cooing gently. The tears from his eyes fell down his cheeks, into the lake. And the night sky didn't take offense at him. The rippling water didn't. The crickets didn't. The swans didn't. He was accepted here as something natural. Something that was allowed. Something that was given the gift of peace and beauty. Something that was celebrated. And he realized that, to his mother, he was natural. Allowed. Beautiful. Celebrated. Loved. I am, he said out loud to himself, as he realized that he was all of those things. He had thought for a moment that perhaps he wasn't real. But this water was real. The stars were real. The beautiful night around him was real. The horse that he rode through the valley in the morning sun? He was as real to that horse as that horse was to him. Born of steady and raised in love, he was not created from a moment of passion between his mother and a mysterious father who died before his birth. No. He was born of something much more pure than that. He was born of years of the ambition, research, and dedication of one woman. He returned home. She sat in the library, her eyes red and weary. But when he returned home, she looked up, her expression not angry and hurt, but grateful and relieved. He smiled at her and she smiled back at him. A remarkable pair, those two. I think they had a very happy life. I've been thinking about the systems we subscribe to, 
the conventions that we adhere to. And I've been thinking about the natural world, which we so often ignore. Do you not think you're meant to exist in it? Do you think you're beyond existing in it? Hmm. No such thing, my friends. This world is for you. Take it. I will. Sweet dreams. Hello everyone, thanks so much for joining me tonight for episode 37 of On a Dark Cold Night. This is Kristen, your friend, your writer, your host. I hope your September has gone by pleasantly, onward to October. Funny how that works. Nothing terribly new to announce this week, just some usual stuff, like if you'd like to help the show along, there are a few ways you can do so. First, you can listen to the show on the Radio Public app. It's free for you to use, and every listen I receive there counts towards your podcaster earning money for their hard work. So, if you can, please give us a listen there. Next, if you like the show and want to tell people about it, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Podknife, or our Facebook page. I'd really appreciate it and would be sure to shout you out on social media and on the show. You can also reach out on Twitter at A Dark Cold Night and Instagram at Dark Cold Night Podcast. If you have any questions or thoughts you want to send me, you can also do so via email to darkcoldnightpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, you can donate to the show on Coffee or Patreon. That would really mean the world to me. I'm trying to pick up some new sound equipment and am currently in the process of moving to a new home. Ah! Sorry. So every little bit is really appreciated. You can find our profiles at ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight or patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. Thanks so much for listening. As always, it's been a pleasure. I hope you have a lovely start to your October. Take care, friends. Mm-hmm.